Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. This week, I'm joined by Chris Elwood. He's a district manager for the Davy Tree Expert Company uh, based in Columbus, Ohio. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me. Talking all about best backyard trees, safety checks before we get out into the summer garden. So when I throw it at you, as if I'm a customer and I just say, hey, what do you think are the best backyard trees? What do you what do you answer with? I say a tree planted 10 years ago. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I tell the client that it's it's species and site specific. I think that's a pretty uh, cut and dry uh, answer for, for any arborist, really. So, for example, you know, considering things like shade, sun, uh, what the soil moisture is. I, I live on kind of a wet area. So if I plant a, a dry species like a white oak, Corcus alba, for example, um, there's a decent chance of suffocating the root system and, and killing the tree or not just doing as well or vigorous in that area uh, as, as a wetter species like burr oak or swamp white oak would. When we think of a wet area, I guess a wet area can have full sun, right? But, or would a wet area mostly be shady or it just it depends on the site? So yes to all of the above. Um, you know, the amount of sunlight is, is separate from what the soil moisture is gonna be like. You know, you can, you can think of a wetland um, there are going to be very sunny spots and very shady spots, depending on what the um, areas like using my residence as an example. I live on an old older farm. Um, there's not very many trees at all. So it's pretty much full sun all the time. So anything shade related, I have to kind of hide or tuck in near my house. So for clients, you know, a lot of the times you'll have people who come to you and say, you know, I want to put a dogwood right in the middle because it's beautiful. Well, that, that might be the wrong decision because dogwood is an understory species. Um, so maybe something like a magnolia that's still going to stay small or medium sized um, and, and not burn up like a, a dogwood tree would out in the open. Yeah. And, you know, we see dogwoods out like that all the time. They, they seem to survive, but they're, they just they're never going to be happy out there. And so I guess that's the lesson of, of right tree, right place, which I've learned by hosting this podcast. So let's just stick with that wet area. Give me some other suggestions, whether it's sunny or shady, for an area that might be a little low, that might might be a little wetter than than you know, up high in a hill or where it's nice and dry. Sure. Um, you know something else that's important to consider is the adjacency to the house. So we typically tend to classify trees in in three size classes: small, medium, and large. You know, like a cup of coffee. Um, so small ones are typically staying under 30 feet, medium size, and this is at maturity. Uh, medium sized trees are getting between 30 and 60, and uh, larger trees are getting you know, at mature height above 60 feet. So my backyard, for example, I'm probably going to uh, plant some American yellow wood. They, they, do, they do decent in an area like that. It's going to be full sun, and they're in your kind of medium size, so they're only going to get between 30 and, and 60 feet tall. I don't know if I want a 80 foot oak tree right next to my house. Although some of the tree species, um, you know, burr oak, 
swamp white oak, as, as the name implies, um, willow oak, and I know I'm just listing off oaks here essentially. Um, black tupelo or black gum, that's a really, really awesome tree for a wet area. It's a, at least in central Ohio, it's a kind of a, a native wetland tree, uh, beautiful red fall color. Um, Let me stop anyway. you there. Let me stop yeah. you there because sure. I have heard so much good <laughs> about black gums. You know, people, especially for that fall color. But what else besides the fall color do you like about that? That's is. Did you say that was a native? Yeah, that's a, that's a native. So go at least in central Ohio. Go to any you know park with a wetland. You're probably going to find some black gum trees. Um, what else I like about that tree, it's not very messy. Uh, you know, all trees have seeds, of course, but there's some that are a little uh, dirtier than 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 others. Uh, birch, which do okay in, in wet soils, they don't do good around, if I could you know, make a comment to steer people from any trees um, who are listening, I would probably steer them away from red maple and I would probably steer them away from river birch as well. And so tell me about the yellow wood. Uh, tell me about that variety. The, the yellow wood is, it, it's smaller. It's, uh, some people call it a hop tree. It is native to Ohio as well. Um, it's, it's nothing fancy. It kind of has uh, shaped leaves, uh, kind of hard to describe, just, yeah, you know, very round. When you Go say, hop, when you see, when you say hop tree, now I think I know what it is uh, because I think I've seen them next to the lake. Is that what it looks like? Does the flower kind of look like a little, like, like, like hops? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yep. Okay. Uh, as a fisherman, I can tell you, I lost a lure in a hop tree, which I now, <laughs> which I now know is a yellow wood. That's, a kind of, that's kind of a cool tree. No wonder it's next to the lake. Yeah, um, but that's a good one. Then you can kind of get into, um, for, for wetter, so typically maples do pretty well in wet areas too. Um, sugar maple, again, I would try and still pe steer people away from red maple gets a disease called, called not a disease, a phenomenon called frost crack. Have you guys discussed frost crack on the oh, podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah. In length, probably. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that tree came up for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but they make some, some neat cultivar maples, Miyabi maple, hedge maple, um, what are a couple of the others? Trident maple, paper bark maple is super cool. Kind of has, um, and that's a smaller size species. So that's only going to get 15 or 30 feet tall. Um, Paperbark maple is is has really the bark exfoliates uh, quite eccentrically. Um, I, I have a little one I put in a few years ago. It's a slow grower, but I've always wanted one because because of that beautiful bark. So the ones you have at your house are they in wet areas or are they yeah, drier? It, it's down it's down down in kind of a lower area, but it's 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 relatively kind of dappled sun. So it's not full shade, but it's dappled sun but kind of moist. So tell me if I need to move it now, because I, if I, if I wait two or more, two or three more years, I don't think I'm gonna be able to get it out of there. You can always hire a Davy tree and they'll bring a tree spade and move it for you. Right. Oh, you don't have to tell me. I, Davy trees here all the time, brother. <laughs> I live in an Oak forest, so I'm, I'm keeping those guys uh, from Davy busy. Yeah. So a, a lot of, if you have a remnant forest and that's a good point that you've kind of alluded to, if you have a, native forest in or around your property. Like all my neighbors have really nice forests and I'm very jealous. Um, typically those, those trees that are in that forest would probably do well for your backyard as well. So, you know, if, if you do live next to a forest or a park, go take a walk and see what looks like it's, it's, it's see what looks like it's doing well, um, what looks healthy. 
what kind of roots they have. So for wet areas too, we could think of Dawn Redwood or Bald Cypress, which are fantastic, really cool trees. But a lot of people don't like the Bald Cypress because they have the knees. Yeah, I've got a, a Dawn Redwood that I inherited when I moved in here. And I've talked about it before in the podcast. Probably my favorite tree on the property. If, if you could talk a little bit about Dawn Redwoods and, and why you love them. I think I like Dawn Redwood because of their, um, their form. They're straight as an arrow. They have beautiful scaffold branches. If you want to be mean as an arborist, you can play tricks on people saying that it's dead when it's just a kind of a deciduous conifer. Right. Um, <laughs> you, you might have to fact check me on this one, but I believe Dawn Redwood was thought to be extinct. Um, but then the grove was found in China maybe over 100 years ago or in Asia somewhere. You and got, they kind of it was found in a valley in China my understanding is during World War II. That's the story I heard. So yeah, and, and, and brought them back and they're, I mean, they do great in central Ohio. Um, the only issues I see associated with them locally are squirrels love the bark. They will peel the oh, bark yeah. off the main stem in its entirety. Yeah. Uh, you know, I told a story earlier on, the, on another episode where because of those branches, when we first moved in, I walked out in the backyard and my kid was 50 feet up into the Dawn Redwood. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, that's a lot of trees just for the wet. Let's get out into the dry. Let's get out into the sun and talk about a couple of your favorites. And then we'll get into some a, a little bit about safety. I really like white oak. I think white oak is underappreciated. Not super fancy fall color but just a hearty, really big, cool tree with a really unique leaf. I believe the International Society of Arboriculture, I believe their logo is actually a white oak leaf. You know, I feel like such an idiot because I've got all these oaks out there, but I don't know the difference between a, a red or a white. I, I've got to get it together and, and, and figure this out. Now they're leafing out. I've got to know what's in there and, and you are inspiring me to, to get it <laughs> together. So what else is on your list? A white oak, that sounds great. I, I will tell you that the oaks are best identified by acorn cap. Okay. So a, a lot of good botanists can use the cap of the acorn to discern what it is. Uh, oh, Leaves are good, you know, insofar as you can find them and they're not disintegrating. But other other urban trees that I really like, uh, ginkgo does very well. M male only. When you get the the female variety, you get the the seeds that end up smelling like dog poop. Uh, Kentucky coffee tree is another underappreciated one. Talk I about think. that one because that's one I've also heard about just at the nurseries and stuff. You know, every once in a while I'll I'll see a, a, a nurse, nursery person and say, what is that? And oh, this is Kentucky coffee tree. You should grow this. Tell me about that one. If it if it look if it's a Kentucky coffee tree, it has very few branches and it doesn't look like anything at all, really. I know that's kind of a mean description, but when someone <laughs> says, What is that? Oh, it's a Kentucky coffee tree. It's just, you know, a lot of people walk past it, I think. That is kind of a, in the wetter species too. I know we're trying to move to the, the drier. Um, I would be remiss too, and I'm gonna switch gears. I apologize. Sweet gum tree. Most people hate the spiky balls. Sweet gum tree for your full sun, slightly wetter soils is absolutely phenomenal the fall color of a sweet gum I, I think is is second to none the way the leaves on any sweet gum i have a sweet gum in my backyard when the fall color comes the inside of the tree is kind of yellow and kind of there's a gradient of, of color that exists to dark purple it kind of goes through red and dark purple toward the the end of the leaves and i know i switched gears i apologize um no i'm glad you did i'm glad you did because you know when we talk about black gum a lot of people choose that black gum 
because it doesn't have those type of seeds. So right. tell, tell me about how you feel about those seeds. Talk about them. Tell people, you know, I have one other friend, gardening friend, who, who actually loves those big seeds. He, he thinks they're the coolest thing. But most people are just like, I've been sweeping them off the driveway for 10 years. I can't stand. <laughs> so, so talk about them. And how do you deal with them? It's You just like them? It's cool or what? The, the sweet gumballs, they don't, the seeds, they don't bug me at all. I have a mulching mower. I just, they become part of my landscape. They get mulched. I don't, I never rake them. I never rake leaves. The important thing you can do for your lawn and your soil health is use a mulching mower. Or if someone mows for you, ask if they have a mulching mower. Mulch all that stuff up. It goes back into the soil. It's part of the cycle, right? Or you could tell clients that, you know, their their children need to toughen up their feet and just walk over the sweet gumballs and they'll get over it. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Because I, I do think they are, I, I love that tree. But every time I bring it up, I, I hear from, you know, the guy who's sweeping them off the driveway, I guess. And I love your idea of just running the mower over that. That's, and no raking leaves. Brother, you, we're on the same page there. <laughs> Uh, moving out though into the into the drier um, areas, you know your your oaks, your maples, your hackberry. Hackberry is I I think one that's overlooked. A lot of your fence row trees in dry areas. You know I kind of live in in a in a farming community. The trees you're going to see on old fence rows are going to be mulberry, uh, as well as hackberry. When people you know they kind of classify them as garbage trees. Hackberry has come up, and I'm talking about uh, Celtis occidentalis. Certain cultivars of that species are really, really cool. They have pretty good fall color, not a very messy tree, tend to break during storms, but at least in central Ohio, talk about a native tree that can take a beating and it's not going to, to really affect the tree's health very much. They're not very needy. Your oaks, your maples are a little more needy, in my opinion. When I say needy, I mean looking after, care, you know, maintaining good soil health, things like that. Yeah, I don't know hackberry though. So tell me a little bit about it. And and you know, I, obviously it's a tough native. Uh, but how would I recognize one, or would I? I don't think you would uh, walk by any any fence row. You know, they're part of the elm family. So so the bottom of the leaf, um, it, it's not symmetrical. It's a little asymmetrical. Kind of looks like an elm leaf. Uh, but they're they're they've been here for a while. They're here to stay, and that's a tree they can take a beating. Um, they're in a native setting They're They have really cool branching structure, kind of like black walnut, how black walnut, the branching structure becomes wider spread with respect to time. Same for hackberry. Uh, some of the biggest hackberries you'll find in, in slightly damp areas too. I, I lied to you. I said, we we're going to gravitate toward, toward drier species. <laughs> um, but that's, yeah, you would walk, most people would walk by hackberry and not give it a second look. Is it something you'd put into somebody's landscape if it was the right place? I would, if it was, you know, an okay distance from the house. And if it was a cultivar, I don't know if I'd plant a native hackberry for a client unless they were looking for that, that native touch. Okay. Uh, before we go move to safety, is there anything else we should talk about? Because you've got a long list there of some really awesome plants. I think the most important thing to consider when selecting a tree in I don't mean to be harsh on landscape architects. They have a magnificent eye of what's going to look good. I, I don't have that eye, but at least at our local office, we focus more on longevity and practicality in the, the landscape. Call us realists if you want to. 
but I'd rather plant something that I know is going to be there in 50 years than plant something that is going to grow too large for the site or not match the site characteristics as well. So the best thing that that anyone interested could really do, and this is just a good starting point, you know, always consult an industry professional, you know, call Davey. I, I, part of my job is going out and, you know, people are surprised we give free estimates. To me, that that's, that's laughable. It's because someone's saying, come to my property and talk about trees. No problem. I'll do it on a weekend if you want. I don't care. I could do it all the time. But if you visit the Arbor Day Foundation and uh, kind of internet search tree wizard, uh, the one I'm looking at right now is best tree finder, tree wizard. It's kind of like a little quiz you take of your site for your house. So what's your plant hardiness zone? What type of sun exposure? What type of soil? You know, sand, silt, loam, clay, whatever it is. What type of, of uh, how, how wet is the soil? How dry is the soil? And then it gives you based on how high or how big or flowers or non-flowers, there's all these interesting inputs you can put into this, this quiz. It spits out a really good starting point for trees to, to look for. It does shrubs too, does evergreens, it's fantastic. But you know, Chris, when we go back to the free estimate thing, every time that I tell somebody, you know, I get questions every day that I can't answer about the landscape. Uh, you know, even if they send me a picture of their tree. And when I tell them, you know, call my friends at Davey, they'll actually come to your property for free a certified arborist will come to your property for free and, and look at the, at, at the problem and, and, and not charge you anything and tell you what, what, what's going to happen or, or if they need to come back. And people are still astounded by that. Yeah, I think that's, that's you know, part of our business model, at least. That's how I'd want to be treated. Treat people how, how you want to be treated. That's pretty intuitive. Let's get into some safety. Okay. All right. So let's just use me as an example and that way I get some free advice. Uh, <laughs> looking up, you know, in a case like me where I've got big oaks and hickories and uh, sassafras and maples, uh, pretty close to the house. You know, this is, this is a property that's, that's, this house has been here since 1939. So there's some mature specimens there. What should I be looking for this time of the year? Oh, well, I'm going to come visit now because I really like sassafras. That's a that's a really really cool tree species. Um, I love I love my sassafras. You know, because again that 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 fall color is just amazing. You know, I I just love it. That's an easy one. People most people miss as well. They like more acidic soil than than not. Um, for for a lot of the species you've described, especially your oaks and your hickories, they're really really good at holding on to big dead limbs. So the pruning regime we, we prescribe for most clients is between three and five years. Again, it depends on the specific situation, specific tree. But the most obvious thing, especially when leaves are starting to come out, if there's leaves on it, it's probably alive. If they're not, it's probably dead. If it's a five inch diameter, 35 foot long oak limb right over your children's playset, you should probably call someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I think even in my situation, I'm, I'm very cognizant of what's going on here. I am looking up, but you do kind of get lulled into a sense of false security with these trees that, that are always here. And then, then one day, you know, you get a storm and you hear something out there and you're like, Oh no. <laughs> so I, I do, I do look up and then try and figure out, you know, make sure that everything's leafing out. And if it's not, you know who I'm calling. They're, they're, yeah, another 
part of that, I'm sorry to cut you off. Another part of that is putting your, your trees, if you do have a bunch of mature trees, or even if they're not mature on, on some sort of pruning cycle, say again, every three to five years, because when storms do come through and your tree is pruned properly, it, it lowers the risk of that breakage, especially as it pertains to overextended limbs over a house, whether it's a subordinating cut and something's cut back to a, a different leader that's gonna take on that apical role. Um, th that's part of what we recommend. That's not anything the client can do, but if you look up and say, that tree looks thicker than I remember. What, when was it last pruned? In, in my experience, and this took me about two or three years to, to learn, most clients are very wrong in remembering when their trees were last pruned, you know, I was pruned a few years ago, three years ago, I think, and it's seven years ago. So they're, they're long overdue. Um, oh, I know, I know that. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think today when I, when I moved in Azalea and I was thinking to myself, I think it was three or four years ago. And I went back and looked and it was like nine years ago. So. Uh, well, Other good safety ones are tree lean and, and, and soil heaving. I'll, I'll go over both relatively briefly. The lean is exactly what it sounds. Sometimes we have clients document, all right, I took a photo on June 15th of this year. I'm going to do the exact same thing next, next year. And that tree looks like it's moved to me or it's leaning. On, on certain occasions, I have taken a clinometer out, which a clinometer, which just measures the tree lean uh, by angle. You just put on, on there and get the angle of lean. I said, listen, here's the number. It's 87 degrees. We're going to check again next year. Estimates are free. Always love talking about trees for free, no big deal. And if we go back out and it's moved by two to five degrees, we're cutting it down because the whole thing is shifting and it's a 120 foot oak tree that's about to eat your neighbor's house. Yeah. But that's one way too. And then this, the soil heave, which you mostly see in shallow rooted species, uh, silver maple, spruce, especially spruce, especially blue spruce. If I have a client who, who calls me maybe twice a year just to come check out trees, gives them peace of mind, one of the, the things I've left this client with is check the root system of your, of your tree, you know, about, about 10 feet out from the base, depending on the size of the, the tree. And if it looks like a pitcher's mound in baseball, and it didn't look like that two weeks ago, that's a, a obvious physical sign that the roots have started to sever and, and come out. I had a client once who he had, I think, six blue spruce all in a row and called me after a bad wind event. The next day was still windy, seeing if these needed to come down, um, if the trees needed to be cut down. It was kind of neat because I never got to see this in person. I actually sent a video or recorded a video, sent it to all my friends, uh, you know, family members, anyone interested in trees, where this, this patch of soil that was about 15 by 15 feet was just heaving uh -huh. up about 16 inches every single time the, uh -huh. the wind would come through. And it had already started to put a hole in his neighbor's roof. And I said, yes, uh, you know, sir, the, these need to go away tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, thanks so much. What great information. Uh, and again, I'm so happy that I found out what the name of the tree is that my fishing lure got stuck in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, thanks, Chris. All right. Thanks for having me. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Get ready because next week it's 10 mistakes homeowners make with their trees. Our expert will run down the list. And as always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.